Well, hello. I'm Lainey, also known as Electro Girl, and I'm an advocate for empowering people to get back in the driver's seat of their diagnosis. See, I was diagnosed with epilepsy 30 years ago and basically was never satisfied with hearing from a doctor that pharmaceuticals would be the only approach to controlling my seizures. I just wasn't going to take it. Out of my way, mortal. So I committed many, many years to researching and finding an answer outside of the Western medicine approach to find a more holistic approach in managing and treating my epilepsy and the seizures. The Love Your Diagnosis podcast is a show about exactly that. Each week, we will be looking into the life of someone who has been diagnosed with a condition or illness and has succeeded in managing their diagnosis both in and outside of Western medicine. To start off, we will look at the Western medicine prognosis and approach to dealing with their diagnosis inside the square. Then, we'll dip our toes a little deeper into their story where we talk about other empowering modalities that worked for those people outside of that square. Basically, what put them back in the driver's seat of their diagnosis. So hang around with me while we explore living in and outside the medical square when it comes to loving your diagnosis. So this is podcast number two, and we're today here with Audra Sisak. And because I'm an Aussie, I thought Audra was from Australia, but she's not. And I'm so excited that she's not. So hi, how are you Hello. doing? I'm very good. So excited to be here. Absolutely excited to have you because you're a podcaster too. I just heard. Yes. Two shows, disability related. Brilliant. We'll put that in the, the notes underneath what where to listen to your podcast as well. But for now, let's just dive straight into, because you've got a lot going on. It's very exciting in your head. <laughs> Um, so much (laughs) what have you been diagnosed with and basically how long ago I know there's a few so get straight into it (laughs) I feel like I need to whip out one of those scrolls to get everything (laughs) my main primary diagnosis is autism and epilepsy and those really are the two that affect my life I think the most and really in a positive way for the most part but I have a whole list of dyslexia dyspraxia depression anxiety uh Ray nuts and restless leg syndrome wow are they all interrelated or have or were you diagnosed with them like kind of one at a time so I imagine a doctor wouldn't have just said look you got all this stuff going on <laughs> did it happen over a period of time Oh, yes. This has happened over a gradual period of time. And honestly, this really started with the epilepsy. It's all from the epilepsy, right? It's just kind of downhill after that. It always is. (laughs) But love your diagnosis. That's what we're here to represent. That's right. How old were you when you got diagnosed with epilepsy? Unfortunately, I was, I think, around 35. Wow, that's When I was diagnosed. It was, yeah, it was fairly recent. And unfortunately I've had it my entire life because I have idiopathic epilepsy. I was born with it. So I've had all these problems my whole life and they didn't know why. Okay. I'll I'll just explain to the people listening that idiopathic anything or particularly epilepsy is that they don't know where in the brain it's coming from. They can't can't just say it's in the, the temporal lobe or it's in the the right parietal lobe or, um, or in the hippocampus, they just don't know. So it makes it a lot harder for them to treat it. Yes. Would you agree with that, Audra? 
Oh my gosh. I've been on so many different medications and so many treatments. And of course I get the, have you tried CBD and keto? Yes, I've tried it all. All right. Well then you were diagnosed at 35. So basically set the scene of what your life was like up to then. Were you partying? Were you a bookworm? Were you a complete (laughs) nerd and just at home and like a introvert or like what was the scene like before your symptoms started getting so bad you had to go to the doctor? Oddly enough, I was an introvert. I did not party. I didn't do anything. Occasional drink, you know, with my friends and whatnot to go out. Uh, But other than that, I just, you know, my autistic side was like, no, I'll stay in. I very social cue. Don't read other neurotypical social cues. I only read mine. (laughs) Okay. So you weren't really a partier that wasn't bringing on any symptoms late nights that wasn't into it. Not alcohol. Not like you say, not that much. Well, late nights. Yes. Because again, I, I am an insomniac. I don't ever sleep hardly. And at that particular time in my life, I was just finishing up grad school for the second time. Grad school for us Aussies is what? Is that uni? That's graduate school. So professional school uh, where I was getting my second master's. Okay. Oh, in what? Uh, Psychology. Oh, good one. Well, I guess with any illness, there's this turning point when you know you kind of can't stop ignoring it or being in denial. In my case, it was totally denial. Yeah. What was that pivotal point for you where you went, I've got to check this out? Were the seizures, do you have grand mal seizures? I have all of them, unfortunately. I mean, you could pretty much pick and choose a symptom and I've probably had it, (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately. But the pivotal point was, and and I, I, I remember this like clear as day, even though I don't remember the actual time that happened, I was driving to work and I remember getting in the car and I was living in uh, Long Island, New York at the time. And I got in the car and I started driving. That was the last thing I remember. It, I, at that time, I worked in a place called Garden City. It was still on Long Island. Okay. I had driven all the way to New York City. And I don't remember that span of time. How many kilometers would that be? Kilometers, I don't know. Because in America, we always judge everything by time. So oh. it was about two hours of time. Holy shit. And you don't remember any of it? Autopilot. Is that because the after effects of the seizure doing something to your brain, not reconnecting properly? Shit, dangerous. Yeah, Yeah. I I can only, we can only guess that that's probably what happened. And I I remember snapping out of it when I hit the bridge to cross over into the city. And I went, uh, that's not right. (laughs) Pull over. Wow. Wow. How did you feel? I'm just going to take a little segue to how did you feel when you clicked, when your brain basically clicked back into working and you realized you lost all that time and you were driving? Uh, wow. So I flipped out. Yeah. Um, I had a full on autistic meltdown with pulling my hair and picking at my skin. I called, I was crying because I honestly had no idea where I was at, what was happening. And because I was in such a meltdown mode, I couldn't even hardly remember my own name. How long ago was that? Did you say? That was about five, six years ago when I actually got the diagnosis. So you went to the doctor and at that stage, did you have any inkling that epilepsy was even going to be on your radar? Yeah. I guess my question is what, what kind of tests did the doctors run immediately on you? Uh, because I had been diagnosed with everything else up until this point, because at this point, I already knew I was autistic. Mm-hmm. And I'd been diagnosed with fibromyalgia, which was just a BS 
diagnosis. And I, you know, because I'd complained of constant pain in my leg. Uh, so I was honestly thinking it was multiple sclerosis, like MS. So I went and saw the neurologist. They did an MRI, you know, the head MRI, and then they did the EEG or Electro electrodes. Yeah. They're always fun. Yes, that was fun. And I had to have the one where it was for like five days on my head. Yeah, that's when it came back that I had epilepsy. And I, if my brain dropping into my stomach could be described as a physical feeling, that's exactly how it felt when I got that diagnosis. And what was the actual, because for those listening, there's over 40 different kinds of epilepsy. So um, I know people think that there's only just like one is the grand mal's drop to the floor froth at the mouth you know scary scary one i call it the flippy flaps (laughs) so which epilepsy did you get diagnosed with i have complex partial focal seizures with secondary generalized seizures wow what a milkshake yeah, that's why it's pun. always, yeah, that's always like, woo, what are we getting today? <laughs> that's pretty big. Does the epilepsy and the autism co-relate? So if you're having an autistic experience, does the epilepsy then play a part in that as well or vice versa? Or are they completely different parts of your brain? I think they are very much overlapped because of my emotions because I, I have a hard time labeling my own emotions. I can label them in others, but for me, it's hard. And then so to have a seizure and then be very upset by something, and then I can't label the emotion, and then it puts me in a panic even further. And so when I have a seizure, one of the symptoms or the signs that come 100% of the time is I will immediately cry. And I don't know why. Right. You're lucky you can cry. I mean, people on medication, some people just cannot access that tear because they're so doped up with the meds. So good that you can cry still, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> no, with all There's the meds I have. <laughs> so you've got the diagnosis. What was the initial protocol that, that you were given to go on to? You know, leaving the room, what was the protocol to try and maintain the electrical imbalance in your brain? Oh, geez. Meds, keto diet, and obviously 100% no more driving. Is that still playing out now? You still can't drive? Yes. They they have told me that there's no way I'll ever be 100% seizure-free, and I have lost my license. Okay. See, that's a big moment. In order to love your diagnosis, you have to love every part of it, the treatment, the outcomes, freedoms and liberties that you've got and what are taken away. So, yeah, that's a big one. But you've obviously dealing with it. I am. And it's, uh, I think part of loving your, your diagnosis and dealing is loving even the bad parts of it, which losing my independence in that way was. But what's the positive side? I get to be chauffeured everywhere. <laughs> in a hummazine? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. I guess whoever shows up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fantastic. All right. Most of that's exceptionally big. Were you pretty compliant when you left the doctor's office and had the, you know, the prescription pad and the comments about driving and stuff? Were you compliant or did you want to rebel? Definitely wanted to rebel, but I have a son and uh, his life is so important to me. And so I need to be here for him. 
What a beautiful mother moment. Yeah, you, you had other people to think about. Yeah. yeah. Which is a big one as well because when I was going through my stuff, I only had myself to think about. So my choices were very much about me. Nobody else came into the equation except me. So my choices were quite out there. In a way, your son anchored you to just deal with it. Yeah. And he is uh, autistic and has the same exact type of epilepsy that I do, you know, because ours is genetic. So I spend my time helping him as well. Did you ever think to get a test before having a baby or it just didn't matter? You were like, if they do, fabulous. If they don't, fabulous. I actually was diagnosed after he was already born. They had no idea. And again, I had had signs during my pregnancy and I had a very hard labor and hard delivery. I almost died. How did the the pregnancy and all the hormones related to that affect your conditions? Did did they stop? Did the symptoms stop during the pregnancy? No, it got worse. I remember during my pregnancy feeling very terrible. I, I never wanted to be pregnant again. And I wasn't, I was pregnant the one and only time. Okay. So the hormones because that's another type of epilepsy as well, catamenial epilepsy, actually, just before women ovulate or menstruate. For some women who, who get pregnant, the symptoms actually disappear. No, and, mm-hmm. and, and I, I've had hormonal seizures too, because I've had a hysterectomy as well. Darling, when's your book coming out? <laughs> I, I really do need to write one. <laughs> you do. So you've, you've been compliant. You've had other people to think about. You've taken the meds. Everything's kind of leveling out, found a kind of balance where you can live with a part of your life, but the symptoms disappeared on the pharmaceuticals or not? Uh, my symptoms have not disappeared. However, they have minimized to the point where I can, I can actually work part-time now, which is great. I'll never be able to hundred percent support myself, you know, um, or my family just because that's the way it is when you have multiple disabilities. Mm. Um, But yeah, it's enough that I actually had gastric bypass surgery to reduce the hormones that way. I had my gallbladder removed and then had a hysterectomy. And with all these surgeries, I was able to get down to about three to four seizures a year instead of about 300. And are you taking medication, pharmaceuticals for any of the other list of diagnoses that you had? Are you on a plethora of meds to find the balance for all of those as well or is there multi is is one pill kind of helping with a lot of them uh no i take uh several meds yeah gabapentin keppra and lexapro and zonagran and cbd you were mentioning as well yeah and it's it's stuff is legal here in washington state so yeah absolutely so that brings me actually to my next question have you tried anything outside of the Western medicine approach to help address some of the symptoms so that you can take a bit less pharmaceuticals, but still maintain that balance. I do have very high protein diet, especially now since my surgery. Um, So that's basically a keto. And then I do yoga and breathing exercises. It's not that it helps with the epilepsy itself, but it definitely helps regulate my emotions and my mental health, which keeps my seizures down. And do you find also that the diet stuff um, assists with your autism? No. No. So you haven't found a dietary plan that actually helps with that. It's completely not related. (laughs) I'm autistic. I'm autistic. That's it. (laughs) 
It doesn't matter how much kale you eat, you'll still be autistic. All right. (laughs) Okay. It's great that you're finding some balance. So you found some success with the keto. Is that what you're saying? Uh, Yes, a little bit. But then you also thought about taking CBD, which is considered, well, in Australia, still illegal unless you only get it from a doctor. But you considered CBD in place of medicine or as part of the management plan? Uh, I did discuss it with my doctor and we put it in as part of the plan because he just felt with my complex type of epilepsy, there was no way to do it without both sides, but he wanted to see if I could use it conjunction with the others. And it actually worked out. I was able to reduce the amount of Keppra and Sonogran I was taking and incorporated CBD. And honestly, my emotions are much more, like I said, well-regulated. I don't know. It seems to be working a lot better. Brilliant. Was that your choice or was that his choice? That was definitely my choice. (laughs) Why? What led you to want to do that? I just, I'm asking because a lot of people, you know, this podcast is really about planting seeds for people um, about stuff that they may not have thought of doing for their own symptoms and conditions and stuff like that. So What made you want to try something like that instead of all the medicine? Yeah. uh, So my, I'll just come out and say my neurologist was not on board with my plan. And my plan was to lose weight, get my gallbladder out. Oh, my hysterectomy, get my hormones regulated and then go on the CBD. Literally, this was my plan. And it was because I wanted to try this in in a healthier way including medicine, do, you know, like a individualized combined treatment plan using both Eastern and Western medicine, see what I could do without having surgery on my brain. Cause his plan was to have the VNS placed or the, the vag- the vagal nerve stimulator. And I just didn't want it. So this is, this was my plan. And two years later, I'm more healthy and working better than, like I said, than I ever have. And it led me to this because Honestly, when I saw how many medicines they want to put me on, even after the brain surgery, I was like, uh-uh, there's got to be a better way. Magnificent, Audra. In all of this, what I'm hearing is, and what I'm so happy for you about, is that you still had a choice about what, where you wanted this to go, even though some choices are completely taken out of your hands. But somewhere in there, you found a way to empower yourself with choices that you could make and research that you did do for yourself, which is magnificent. Is there any other choices that you actually made that um, went against what the doctors were saying for you? No, those those were the big ones. I still have not had the VNS place and he's happy with the way things are. So, you know, I still haven't gotten my license back, but that's okay. Like I said, I'm all, we're doing all right. You found a piece with everything. You know about comorbidities. Are you aware of that word? Comorbidities. Yes. Yes. So for those that are listening that don't know what comorbidities are, they basically are the symptoms that you experience when you've been diagnosed with something that perhaps aren't related to that diagnosis. You know, with a lot of people with epilepsy, they start to develop anxiety issues or depression issues because of basically what they have to endure and and and, and the nature of the condition. So I ask you this, Audra, is any of those like anxiety, depression, are they comorbidities for you or have you always had a predisposition to being anxious and depressed? 
again, interestingly enough, because I've had epilepsy my whole life, it's like asking, did the chicken come before the egg or the egg become before the chicken? We're not sure because I was diagnosed with anxiety and depression when I was 15 years old. I had an ulcer when I was 12. So we're not real sure what happened if I had these issues before, because again, I'm autistic and I'll tell you guys, here's the one stat that I can guarantee for everybody. Autistic people, 34% of autistic people are also diagnosed with epilepsy. So those with cerebral palsy, about 30% of them also have epilepsy. Which one came first? I'm not sure. Yeah, that's not necessarily a comorbidity either. They are two distinct conditions linked to the brain. Yeah. All right. Well, my last little question to you really is, if there's someone out there listening or many people listening that kind of can relate to you and you have like a tip or some advice about treatments and management and things like that, what, what would that be for people that are going through what you are? Oh boy. Um, learning to advocate for yourself is very hard, but your voice matters. It really does. Um, doing the research, I'm not saying just looking on Google, but actually opening up a book <laughs> like yours or looking on the epilepsy blogs and looking what other people have done because, and just trying it, just see, because maybe, you know, you're taking a medicine and, and it's, you're having side effects. Well, you don't have to live with those side effects, you know, use your voice to get something different because you can live with minimal seizures or no seizures and live a good life. And I guess anything on the autistic level for people that are, uh, that, that maybe don't have epilepsy and there may be a, a management tool or tip that you can share with about being in the driver's seat for themselves, you know? Oh, about being autistic. And that one's difficult because I've spent my entire life. It wasn't until I was 40 and I had a midlife crisis and I decided to become a comedian. (laughs) Amen, sister. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So all I can just say is hang in there because it gets better. I promise. Okay. That's beautiful. Now we'll put it in the notes. Where can someone find your podcast? Oh, so we are on uh, Anchor, Spotify, uh, and Apple Podcasts. We have two from at my producer productions company is Suitman Productions, and we have two autistic artists. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, feature guests uh, every month, and then we have another show every month called Dating with Disabilities, where we yeah. talk about all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Love so, it. Be wary of that show, 18 and older. (laughs) Oh my God, my favorite. I'm going to be looking at them myself. Thank you so much for your time and, and just for sharing your story and just some of the things that, are, that have helped you and, and your bravery and the fact that you're just out there and the comedy, you know, if you can't laugh at yourself, who can you laugh at, huh? <laughs> exactly. Thank you um, so much. Thank you for having me. Okay. Bye. Bye. The Love Your Diagnosis podcast is proudly produced by me. To sum up today's little podcast with Audra, her main primary diagnosis is autism and epilepsy. Even though she has lots of other things on her plate, diagnosis-wise, these two are the things that commandeer her life. 
been on many different medications. She was actually diagnosed with idiopathic epilepsy, which doesn't actually have an area in the brain where it's specified from, so it makes treatments really hard. So she's been on a plethora of medications. And the final straw came when her neurologist wanted her to have a VNS, which is a vagus nerve stimulator, implanted under the skin in the chest. What happens then is that the device can prevent seizures in people that are drug resistant. So it, the vagus nerve stimulation prevents seizures by sending regular mild pulses of electrical energy to the brain via the vagus nerve. It is sometimes referred even to as the pacemaker for the brain. Audra wasn't going to accept this as an option, so what she did was she took control a little bit of her diagnosis. She wanted to use both Eastern and Western combined practices in her treatment therapy, which included keto, which is a high protein diet, yoga, breathing, and regulating her emotions and mental health. So. This stuff doesn't necessarily stop the seizures, but what it does is control them more. And this is what taking control of your management is all about. It's being diagnosed with something and going, mm, actually, I don't think I want to go down that path. I'll see what I can find that's going to work for me. The silver lining for Audra is that to love her diagnosis, she has to love even the bad parts of it. And that includes her license being taken away, but, you know, the silver lining was that she gets to get chauffeured everywhere. Her final words to everyone are, please research and experiment for yourself. Be an advocate for yourself. As hard as that is sometimes, be back in the driver's seat because your voice does matter. Audra found that using CBD as part of her management plan also was able to help her reduce the incredible amount of medication she was on. So for her, it really worked in reducing the seizures. CBD is available very readily in the United States and in Australia, we're a little bit behind on that level, but slowly we're making waves, you know? Firstly, they had to approve hemp seeds because apparently they could get you high. What a joke. Anyway, now they're approved and people are working really hard to get cannabis as medicine allocated to the people that need it the most. And I am totally in that court for having CBD available to all patients that need it if they don't want to use pharmaceutical medicine only. Think of other ways, you know, you be creative with your, with your diagnosis. You don't just have to take one person's opinion about what the outcome for you is going to be. And it's really important that other people share their stories so that this information gets passed on. If you enjoyed today's show, at this stage, all you have to do is listen and tell your friends about it because there could just be a story on here that they've got diagnosed with or that they can relate to where they get to think outside the square. And a few seeds might be planted in their brains about other ways of dealing with it besides just what the original diagnosis and prognosis is. Thanks for listening. If you want to learn a little bit more about other options for what you can utilize for your wellness journey, click on the link below to the Happy Herb Company. They've got lots of amazing products to assist in getting you started in your wellness journey. Thanks again for listening. I'm Lainey Chait.